0: Thanks for listening to we Go Places' first episode of 2020. As you may have noticed, we have brand new intro music brought to us by Max Russo, and it sounds great. Today's guest is Quentin Letts. Quentin graduated in 2014 and is in the Air Force as an assistant dedicated crew chief on the E-8C JSTARS. He has a degree in aviation maintenance technology and is currently finishing up his bachelor's in human resource management. Today's guest is Quentin Letts, class of 2014. Quentin, tell us what you do. Hey, uh, so I'm an assistant dedicated
1: crew chief on the EAC J Stars and the Air Force. And basically what that entails is everything surrounding the jet in terms of um, documentation about what's going on, every little single bit of maintenance going on, whether it be replacing an engine to changing a screw. Um, I'm ultimately responsible for and beyond that, uh, we're basically the ones that launch the jet out and recover it. We do all the inspections. So everything surrounding that jet um, ultimately comes back on me no matter what goes on it. If anything goes wrong, it's ultimately my responsibility to make sure that it's okay. Um, and to further expand on that, the assistant dedicated part, um, each jet has three people that are assigned to it specifically, and they're like the go-to guys that know everything about that jet in particular, so while other people may be working on, say, five different jets throughout the week, I will only be working on one specific jet, and that would be my jet, and it has my name on it, um, and I'm the go-to guy for that airplane in particular um, if I'm there at work. So that's like the short description of what I do. It's basically like a pit crew
0: for NASCAR would be the easiest way no, to do it. That's a good way of explaining yeah. it, yeah. As as much as you can, what what does this particular what's the specialty of this jet? If you can describe it as obliquely as yeah, possible. Yeah. So,
1: um, what we do is we have a giant radar. Uh, I can't go into my description about, it, but we can. Yeah. Uh, basically, what it does is it takes pictures, um, tracks movements, and from there we have people upstairs that can take that information and pictures, um, and relay it to other units, say in the Middle East or wherever we're at. We can send it to other units. Um, they can use that information as they need it. Uh, so basically like a live um, mobile tracking system.
0: So I would imagine that the training for this would be absolutely meticulous. How long did, describe the schooling of, of how you start off. Uh, well, yeah, I guess first off, let's, let's start off, like when did you enter into the Air Force and what was, and how did you find your way into this particular specialty in this plant, with this plane? Yeah,
1: so I went to the Air Force in 2016, uh, near the end of it. Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do necessarily. I was kind of bouncing around trying to figure out, I went to college a few times, couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, so I went to the Air Force with an open mind. Uh, I went in actually open mechanical, um, that's a job description quote unquote very loosely. And I didn't actually know what I was going to do until about two weeks before I graduated basic. And they said, um you're gonna be working on uh basically either one thirty fives which are a refueler, um, or these airplanes, which is very specific. And it wasn't until about um two weeks out of tech school, or right before I graduated my tech school, which I'll go on in a sec, about that I actually found that I was going to these planes. Uh, Once you graduate basic, you go into a tech school, and that's where you actually start to learn your job. It's not as strict as basic training is, but it's still a little regimented. But from there, it's about two and a half to three months for my specific job. And it's split up into two blocks. And the first block is basically what we call fundies, and it's just airplane fundamentals and stuff that will carry over basically to every single airplane. Like I could go into a, a Delta 747, and everything would carry over. From that class. Um, but that's where you learn like your basic um, tools and hardware and uh, learning just basic maintenance about the jet. And that's about a month and a half long. And then from there, you go on to your more specific um, airframe shred class. And that's where you learn about 135s and uh, the EACJ Stars and learn specific maintenance that's only get pertained to that specific um, that specific jet. Although it doesn't really stop there with training because once you get to your actual base, you have a, a one-year um, on-the-job training, what we call hot training. And that's where you're, you're working on the flight line with everybody else that's been there for, you know, who knows how long. And that's where you really start to learn your job. Um, so training never really stops, but in terms of, like, the, the regimented training – that's about the time frame. It's about a year,
0: year and a half. Uh, once you get out, of basic and just out of <laughs> out of my own curiosity as a as a teacher, what do Air Force assessments look like? Is it
1: absolutely so? The Air Force is really big. I'm trying to get all the the different styles of learning in because they know no one really learns the same way. So they kind of apply that to tests as well. So there are. Circumstances where we would do, like, a multiple-choice test, and that would be mostly in tech school. Um, within uh, each um, section, you know, your fundamentals and your airplane specifics, you have blocks. We would cover, like, a more specific aspect of maintenance, and at the end of each block, there would be, like, a, I don't know, like an 80-question multiple-choice test. But beyond that, a lot, of, a lot of tasks that we have that are more intensive, so say, like, a brake or a tire change or... Servicing something specifically, uh, there'd be like a <sighs> my dog's barking. Jeez, <laughs> uh,
0: we we love dogs. <laughs> Not a problem. Yeah,
1: uh, there'd be like a someone who would do like a personal evaluation on you doing that task to make sure that you are actually competent in it. So I guess the yeah answer your question. It's a little bit of both, um, for different aspects of the job.
0: You um, so you have the so once you get the plane, now how how frequently do you – or how do you know then who's going to be your your pilots, and and all the other people that are in the plane? Like what what's the what's the like the team building aspect of that like?
1: Oh, in terms of like who's flying and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, so that's actually kind of changes day to day. So the crews that we work with, so we work maintenance. The crew that we work with will kind of be the same. Typically, you'll be assigned with the same people throughout the weeks. Or in my case, I'll be working with the same pe- uh, three people, sign my own jet. But in terms of, like, who's flying, uh, it kind of changes throughout the week. But we have not that many crews, so you kind of you know who's who after being there for a while. You know which crews you like, which crews might be a little bit more uh, – more of a pain to deal with just because they got a lot of questions that you just might not want to deal with or, you know, something like that. But uh, after a while, maintenance and uh, the flyers, what's what we call them. Oh, we start to build up a a pretty good rapport with one another. So it's,
0: it's, it's normally a friendly, friendly environment. Where was basic training for your air force begin uh, experience? Where did that begin? And then, uh, then where have you traveled throughout the world?
1: Yeah. So I started basic training in,
0: uh, San Antonio,
1: Texas is where our basic training is at. And you're there for about two months, about. So yeah, I left November eighth, twenty sixteen, on the day of the election, and uh, I graduated New Year's Eve, uh, that year. And then from there, we go to I went to my tech school, which is in Wichita Falls, Texas, which is around like the Texas Oklahoma border. It's kind of a small city in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was there for about 3 months and then that's where I ended up in Robins Air Force Base which is in middle uh, middle Georgia. It's about 30 minutes south of Macon. Um and that's where my home station's at, but I've I've kind of been all around the world I haven't really I haven't really fully processed it still, but even just like my two to three years here I've been to I think over 10 different countries in Europe. Um, I got sent to the Middle East a few times. It's been an incredible, incredible experience just seeing countries I've never thought I'd ever be able to see before. Like I've been to Iceland, I've been to Germany, been to Turkey, I've been to Qatar. Like I've been everywhere. What were some of your more memorable side trips? So definitely Germany has been a lot of fun uh, normally because that's one of the places where you actually have a few days to kind of, we're not working all the time. So we actually get to go out and experience it. So I really enjoyed Germany a lot. And i it sounds weird to say this, but I actually enjoyed my time in the Middle East probably the most out of any experience. Um, being able to go to like Doha, which was just is an absolutely beautiful city that I never thought um, I'd never thought i be able to see it, nor did I think it was going to be as amazing and breathtaking as it was because it's,
0: it's in the middle of nowhere. It was a, it was that because of its architecture or what made it so amazing? Yeah, the architectures uh,
1: amazing. And, and absolutely surreal. Like they got it, honestly, I'm gonna get a lot of slack for this, but it puts Chicago skyline to shame. Like it's just there's so many lights in the the design of all the buildings. It's just so modern for you know for the Middle East or in the world in general, but especially for the Middle East, it's just a breathtaking city. Yeah.
0: Especially those buildings probably have been Recently, built yeah oh, the past 20, ten fifteen years. years, right? So they're gonna have a lot of uh really uh mm-hmm. very, contemporary yeah, very contemporary and modern contemporary for sure. Great way to describe it. What's the next maybe assignment? Do you think that you would you're gonna stay with this particular jet or um and this is like where you wanna be or like what what's like the next natural phase of your uh career at yeah, in the Air Force? so
1: uh because this airplane's so specific it's hard to get out of here just because once you get people that are actually mm-hmm. trained up on it, they don't the Air Force doesn't want people to leave if they can help it, because uh, it mm-hmm. helps with the manning and, and all that stuff. Uh personally I am trying to leave though. I'm just trying to experience so many you know, new places and new people as much as I can. So I'm just trying to go anywhere really. Um that's kind of been my whole thing with the Air Force, is just go where it takes me and get the most out of it, so I don't have any place in particular, but definitely trying to leave just so I
0: can experience, you know, new people, new things, new opportunities, stuff like that. It, what when you start going through your checklist to make sure all the parts and all everything's there, typically how so, long does that last?
1: You know, knock on wood, nothing goes wrong. It takes about depending on who you have with you, crew size and training and stuff like that. It could take anywhere from an hour to a couple hours. But if you find something that's wrong, that's when you gotta start, you know, calling out specialists or you know troubleshoot further problems, and that's when it can really take even like days to fully figure out what's actually going
0: on. Now, would you say that you were, do you handle any? You so you would handle. The mechanical, but mechanical would also mean like electrical that would go into the various different components. If you could answer this, does, does that mean that you also deal with any of the type of software elements that are in it? Or is that like its own kind of? Um, yes, of uh, uh, software specialist that that would
1: specific. be their own specific job. We have people that are trained in like communications and navigations. And more specifically, we have other people for the radar, um, stuff like that. Uh, the stuff that I mostly deal with is uh some electrical and uh, environmental, some engine stuff, and a lot of like sheet metal, uh, like sheet metal and metals, metals work would be the big things that I would concern myself with all the, all the programs and software that's, that's way above my head. I,
0: I have no idea. <laughs> so, when you, so when you have to fix something, would that require you to like, I mean, do you do like welding on the uh, spot or like, or is there, are there? Easy to so, fix, or uh, stuff like that, that that
1: require welding. That's when I call it, like the sheet metal guy specifically. Um, we don't we don't do welding as crew chiefs, but if it's like rivets that are broken, or you know, if it's stuff that we can fix on the flight line, the crew chiefs will try to do it. But if it's good requiring specific like tools or uh, certifications or stuff like that, that's when we'll call out the specialists and have them take a look.
0: So y- your home base if I called it correctly, is, is yes. just outside of Macon, uh, Georgia. Typically, how long are you – will you be stationed there for the foreseeable future? How long do you typically stay before you go uh, travel? Like what's what's the uh, rhythm of, of your travel cycle when you're uh, uh, working on this yeah, plane and where it goes? That's
1: honestly a really tricky question because I, we don't really have a time frame either. Like there's some uh, trips I guess – that are forecasted far out into the future, but, you know, problems with that come up and that always changes. And there's been times where I'll go on a trip and, y'all yeah, know, like, half in advance I can't go in. But, like, there'll be other times where I walk into work someday. It'll be, like, 8.30 and my boss tells me, like, what am I doing over the weekend? And then next thing I know, I'm on a plane,
0: like... Uh, well, so it's more mission contingent. So it's not like it's, like, uh, like okay, we're going to be... So in the Navy, boats know that they're in the Pacific for half a year or something like that. Whereas your mission, your, your work might be just more where the mission or the, the exactly. uh, Yeah. It's it's very unpredictable. that, That makes
1: sense.
0: Yeah. That makes sense for sure. Because you have so much accountability on you to get everything right. Is that a lot of, I mean, it seems like it would be a lot of pressure, but I would imagine that you have a series of checklists and things that make it very routine. So risk isn't part of that even being an option. Can you describe what that's like?
1: There's definitely, definitely pressure, especially on me with having uh, an airplane that's assigned under, under myself and two others. Um, If anything goes wrong, that ultimately falls back on me. But as you're saying, yeah, we have a lot of, we have inspections that are routine and other stuff that we do that's routine. So it does minimize – it does minimize risk, but you got also take into, like, the, the human factors portion. You know, people – you know, we're – no one's perfect. We, we miss stuff. I miss stuff. You know, my coworkers miss stuff. So mm-hmm. it's – yeah. I don't know. Like, it's definitely not as stressful as people would think it would be. That uh, I don't know. There's – there's definitely stuff that I'm always scared of missing or that people have missed that definitely could result in, you know, something bad happening. But that's that is is why we have checks and balances. We have other people come out and overlook stuff as well. We're constantly double checking each other just to minimize know that risk as much as possible.
0: Quentin, you've been so generous. Your time, and we're so grateful for your service and what you you do. Uh, I was wondering if you could leave some of our Wildcats uh, advice on how to be successful and and how you were able to uh, find this really cool job. And yeah, yeah absolutely. Any I think tips. the biggest
1: thing that if you were to take away anything from um, my stories, to kind of just embrace when life doesn't go your way. Um, as I kind of briefly mentioned, college didn't really work out for me. I couldn't really figure out what I wanted to do at first, um, and kind of just embracing when stuff doesn't go exactly how you thought it'd be, and using that to find find your passion, what you like, and to use that to just create a bunch of good experiences for yourself that you can learn from and apply you know, later down the line would be the, the tip of advice I would have to give to those wild kids.
0: That's so great. Quentin, thank you so much for your time and I uh, wish you the best of luck and thank thanks you for, for all me. your service it. that you do for us. Thanks for listening to We Go Places. If you know of a great guest for this podcast, send me an email at bturnbaugh at d94.org.